Amen, amen. Merry Christmas, Smithfield. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. Turn, if you would, to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. Because we're going to have Christmas in the Gospel of John. And John is going to give us an exalted view of Christmas, um, a, a theological view, a glorious view, where we're, we want to see glory at Christmas. That's why we come, we gather to worship a glorious Savior who came from heaven to earth, was born in a manger to die on a cross, to redeem a people unto himself, to resurrect out of the grave and give life to all who will believe. That's who we come to worship this morning. So let's come before the Lord and pray and ask for God's help. Because the de- know, know this, the devil does not want people worshiping Jesus at Christmas. The devil tried to attack Christmas right from the start when Jesus was born. What happened, right? Herod gets sent to do some, some business to try to destroy the child Jesus when he was around 18 months old. And all the babes of Bethlehem are slaughtered. That's the kind of heart the devil has towards Christmas. And when the people of God gather, we shout the glory of Christmas. And it's an announcement, a declaration of war against all satanic forces, all darkness, all evil, and we are after the redemption of men and women by putting forth this glorious Savior at Christmas. So let's come before the Lord and pray. Amen. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and we thank you for your grace and your kindness towards us at Christmas. We thank you that love came down and dwelt among us at Christmas. We thank you that Truth came down and dwelt among us at Christmas. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that your spirit would come upon each one of us right now, Lord. We want to be gripped by this glorious reality. We want to be gripped by Jesus Christ. We want to be gripped by the babe in the manger, but also the creator of all the earth. And we want to be helped, Lord, as we consider the saving message of the gospel this Christmas from John. Lord, you have put it here for a reason. You've put it to inspire awe in our hearts, but you've also put it there so that all might believe that Jesus is the Christ. And by believing, they might have life in the name of the Son of God. And so I just pray, Lord, help me to get out of the way. Help me, Lord God, to preach self-forgetfully, filled with love and compassion for your people. And Lord, I long to see the redemption of Christ break in afresh on hearts, Lord. So wherever we're at today, whether we're freshly discouraged by hard things impacting our life, whether we are just considering the reality of death in our family, or if we're here today and we're desperate for a word of hope, in a world that just seems like the lights went out and enter the light of the world in the Gospel of John. Lord, help us to see and savor this beautiful reality. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
I'm going to start us by reading the Gospel of John from verse 1 to 18. And I want you to just read it with fresh eyes and, and marvel, marvel at who it is that we're dealing with at Christmas. It's so easy for us to fail to be staggered at Christmas by what an awesome, amazing, strange, and yet profoundly glorious thing it is. That God would become man in order to redeem men who are not worthy. Men and women who are not worthy, who are not seeking God, who love darkness. And He turns the light on. And people start coming to know the salvation of God. They start coming to know the God who made them instead of shaking their fist at Him. So look with me. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen? Amen. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through Him. He was not the light, but He came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own people, and His own people did not receive Him. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, this, is, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The law was given through Moses and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And the first 18 verses of the Gospel of John come at us in such a way that, that we've got to see what's happening here with the eyes of faith. Because you could read these verses and just be dead and cold in your heart. But you can also read these verses and see glory. And you can see the pinnacle of glory in verse 14 when it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's interesting to me because I can recall few things from my childhood, but there were times where we would go on family trips and we went to Yosemite National Park. And I could just remember entering the park. It just, 
inspires awe and wonder when you see just these grand edifices, you know, like the, the um, half dome, which is 5,000 feet high, but it's 9,000 feet above sea level. And it almost looks designed the way that it's just sheared out and, and, and beautiful. And, and down beneath it, you've got this mirror lake where you can see the reflection of Half Dome on the lake. So it's like you've got two pictures of this glorious, beautiful reality. And being a small boy, eight years old or something like that, just standing with my mouth open in awe of the wonder of it. And thinking as, as we hiked around it, and we didn't get all the way up, but hiking and kind of looking down and realizing, like, I'm trembling a little bit because I'm before something so grand, so amazing, so glorious. If I fall off, that's it. That's the end of Peter Phillips, right? So uh, ultimately, what I was seeing as a young boy was something glorious. And Half Dome and Yosemite, with all of its glorious beauty and splendor, and magnificence has got nothing on Christmas. If you see Christmas as something smaller than Yosemite National Park with El Capitan and, and Half Dome and these beautiful green scenery, and you don't see it screaming out, Creator, this has been made by God. Well, at Christmas, we see that God who made all things come into the world in the person of Christ and become a man in order to save sinners. And I got to thinking about that this week. Like, how messed up are we and how without hope are we if God has to break in, the eternal God breaking in to human history in the person of Jesus in order to rescue us? How dark must the world be if the light of the world has to come in and shine and the darkness can't overcome it? How broken must we be if through years and years of history, man trying to get there on their own, we fall short? And we look at the world around us and it cries out for the rescue of Christmas. It cries out for what we're gathered here this morning to be about. And so I just want to lay us some simple truths so, so we don't look at the manger. And, and I love manger scenes. I'm not down on manger scenes. But if we look at the manger and we see cute baby Jesus and we see like adorable little cuddly cows and sheep and all these things and, and the shepherds and, and, and that's all great. That's biblical, right? We're gathering a lot of texts and we're, we're, we're shaping it into a manger scene. So all of them are present. But you've got to know that the infant is infinite. You've got to know that the creator of the world was born in Bethlehem. You've got to know that the Lord of all creation, who holds the world in his hand, humbled himself and condescended to take on flesh, to become one of us in order to save us. He came 
with compassion on broken people. That's why all through the Gospels, He's the one who seeks and saves that which is lost. He's the one who came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. So I want us to just step back and I want us to take this, this glorious view. This, it's almost a bird's eye view of Christmas from the Gospel of John. And I'm going to try to be brief today, if I can. We're going to try to step into this and just be stabbed awake to how much we need Christmas. Because you didn't come in here to celebrate Christmas because it was a good idea. You came in to celebrate Christmas because it's your only hope. If you're a Christian, it's your only hope. If God comes down to deal with our brokenness, then we have hope. If the manger gives way to the cross of Calvary, then we have hope. If the cradle goes to the cross, then we have hope. So you might be wondering, like, what, what, is all, what does this all have to do with me? If you don't know God, if you are still in your sins, or if you're without hope today, if you've come in beat up, broken, battered, discouraged, despairing, lonely, physically feeling like you're just withering, emotionally spent, frayed with anxiety, Jesus comes in as the Lord of the universe to remind you how much God cares about you. And He can put right what's broken inside of you and He can put right what is broken in this world. Because things don't stay in the manger. The babe in Bethlehem grew up to be the man upon a cross. And that's what John laid out for us in these first 18 verses. And I just want us to look at verse 14 and just meditate on it briefly this morning. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. There is so much in that one verse that we could spend weeks on it. But did you notice the word glory? That's why this message is called the glory of the Word made flesh. Glory is something weighty. In Hebrew, it's the word kavod, which means heavy or, or hev uh, heaviness, a, 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 a worth. When we talk about worshiping God, we're saying He's worthy. It's worship, right? God is worthy. He's the greatest being in the universe, and He's worthy. And at Christmas, we're talking about something so spectacular and amazing that it should have our mouths open and it should have our hearts bowed. And if we really understood it, we would spend more time on our knees before the Lord our God, our maker, crying out, oh Lord, rescue me, help me, 
Save me from myself. Save me from my anxiety. Save me from my despair. Save me from my loneliness. Save me from the broken things inside of me that I can't fix no matter what I try to do. No matter where I try to go. Show me the glory of Christmas. And who you are and what you came to do. That is the vision God wants to bring to us through the Gospel of John at Christmas. He wants us to be 9,000 feet in the air looking down at a cradle and remembering that the baby went to the cross and he was buried. And three days later, he triumphed out of the grave. Death could not hold this king. And perhaps those of us who are despairing of life itself today, feeling the darkness encroach on our souls, need to hear the word that this babe who was born in Bethlehem once declared, I am the resurrection and the life. And though you die, if you believe in me, yet you shall live. Or I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whoever comes through me, nobody's coming to the Father except through me. But if you come through me, you'll be saved. I'm the bread of life. Eat and be satisfied. I'm the living waters. Take and drink. I'm the light of the world shining into the darkness. And I can deal with your darkness. That's who Jesus is. And that who is who John is putting forward to us. So first, I want us to see in this text that Christmas is about revelation. Notice it in verse 14. It says, and the word became flesh. Why does it say that? And the word became flesh. And immediately, this is, this is reminding us what happened in verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Christmas is about ultimate revelation. It's about God's final revelation in Jesus Christ. It's about God revealing himself to us. If we don't see God at Christmas, then we don't experience salvation. Jesus shows us who God is. You ever struggle? Like, I can't get around my mind around this eternal, invisible, immortal, God-only wise. Well, he showed up at Christmas. And he showed up to come into your life, if you will but believe and receive, verse 12 says. But verse 1 reminds us that this word was eternal. He was in the beginning. This word was face to face with the Father. He was with God. Verse 2, in the beginning. This word is God Himself. Jesus is God. Very God of very God. And the word was with God. So right at the start, John is getting us in touch with mysteries. Divine Glorious, mind-blowing mysteries that God is one 
divine being manifested in three persons simultaneously and eternally. He's Father, He's Son, and He's Holy Spirit. And the Father sent the Son into the world to rescue us. And the Son took on flesh to die for us. And the Spirit is the one who opens our eyes to these realities. Anything happening in your heart today that says, yes, I believe what's happening in John 1-18. to Yes, I need this. Yes, I long for this. Yes, I need this Savior. If that's going on in your heart, it's because the Spirit of the triune God is opening your eyes to see it and giving you eyes of faith. And if you're a believer in here, it's only confirming it. It's only, it's only your heart is just longing for this stuff. You're, you're, you're like, yes, in him was life and the life was the light of men. My life was in darkness until Jesus lit it up. And the same is true for you. If you believe. And this is just what the author of Hebrews said so long ago. He said, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed an heir of all things and through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That sounds like John 1, 1 to 1, 3. And the author of Hebrews is saying the same thing. He's saying, you know what? God has spoken long ago by prophets and visions and dreams. And he even wrote the Ten Commandments with his very hand. But in these last days, in these last days, beloved, God has spoken to us in the person of his son. By whom he upholds the universe and he created all things. And if that doesn't comfort you at Christmas to know if he's got the world and the galaxies in his hands, then he can deal with your smaller problems. Maybe your problems don't feel so small. Maybe that addiction you cannot kick feels like it's, it's, it's a giant in your life. It's like a supernova radiating and sucking everything into its orbit. And you need to have a greater son come in and break in and deal with your addictions. And that's what Christmas is about. The one who could come and deal with your deepest struggles. You will not overcome addiction to alcohol, addiction to drugs, addiction to sex, addiction to any other thing that enslaves your heart apart from Jesus Christ breaking in and giving you life. But when the word comes, he transforms us because he is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact one who made the world. He knows how the universe works. He knows how you tick. And he knows what you need. And he's what you've been waiting for. So Christmas is meant to make us feel small before the big vision of Christ. 
and then so deeply loved that God would send him into the world. If you don't feel deeply loved at Christmas, you need to stare at the magnificent portrait of what John lays before us. The creator becomes redeemer at Christmas. He doesn't stand aloof. He's not a wind-up-the-universe God who just sits aloof and he's just like, oh, they're just in a mess. I'm not going to do anything about it. But he breaks in to human history in time and space and changes everything. So maybe you feel confused. Maybe you feel lonely. Maybe you feel despairing at Christmas and you want to know what God is like. Look no further than Jesus. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father. So what is this bit about the word was made flesh? What does that mean? Christmas is about incarnation. Christmas is about revelation and Christmas is about incarnation. And that means God became man. And he, came, he became man on a divine rescue mission and he never ceased to be God. You got to get that right. If you think that Jesus is half man, half God, then you've been watching too many Marvel movies. Jesus is 100% God and 100% man in one divine person. That's who Jesus is. I want you to hear the words of a preacher who so long ago said it in such a beautiful way. What does incarnation mean? What does it mean for God to become man? Well, the plain meaning of these words is that our divine Savior really took human nature upon him in order to save sinners. He really became a man like ourselves in all things, sin only accepted. Like ourselves, he was born of a woman Though born in a miraculous manner, like ourselves, he grew from infancy to boyhood and from boyhood to man's estate, both in wisdom and stature with God. Like ourselves, he hungered and thirsted and ate and drank and slept and was wearied and felt pain and wept and rejoiced and marveled and moved to anger and compassion even. And having become flesh and taken a body, he prayed, he read the scriptures, he suffered, being tempted, and submitted his human will to the will of God the Father. And finally, in the same body, he really suffered and shed his blood. He really died, he was really buried, he was really risen, and he really ascended into heaven. And yet, all this time, he was God as well as man. That's who he is. That's who Jesus is for us at Christmas. And without the God who became man, there could be no cross that redeems us. Without the, the God who became man, who was tempted in all points yet without sin, you could now have no hope and no encouragement when you experience temptations. You could have no pattern to follow. You could have nobody who knows what you're going through. God, you're not in touch with what I'm going through because you never faced it. No, he did. He came from heaven to earth 
took on a human nature so He could be tempted in all points, be totally obedient, totally righteous, totally perfect, and head to a cross to die for you and for me to bear the wrath you and I deserve. Do you know that Christmas is about God's purpose to send Jesus into the world to bear wrath for all who will believe? Some of you tremble before God right now. You tremble because you're unsure of your salvation. You tremble because maybe you're walking in darkness. You tremble because you feel the weight of your sin and the broken realities in your heart and you feel like nothing can be done for you. Like you have a black mark on your soul and it's never going away and nobody can rescue you from it and you need to understand what happened at Christmas is for you and your redemption, and your salvation. What happened at Christmas is about God rescuing you when you could not rescue yourself. What happened at Christmas is about God delivering us from our addictions. It's about God delivering us from our sins. It's about God delivering us from our broken hearts. It's about God bearing the wrath we deserve in our place upon a wooden cross. And by His stripes we are healed. And all we like sheep have turned away. We've turned every one of us to our own way. But God has laid upon Him the iniquity of us all. Christmas gets real and right down to the nitty gritty of our broken, rebellious hearts before the living God. And it promises you help. It promises you a real Savior who took on real flesh, who dwelt among us, who dealt with all of the infirmities and difficulties of living the human life. And He did it victoriously. That's why we sing songs like Victory in Jesus. Right? The victory's in Him. He fought the battle. He, the battle belongs to the Lord. And as soon as we submit to that, we apprehend the glories of the incarnation. God becoming man at Christmas. And it becomes a reality that reshapes your whole way of thinking. And we need to reorient our minds this Christmas that God did something about our sin problem. He did something about our suffering. He did something about our brokenness. And He is at work even today. I was reading this morning is kind of a devotional, um, the Great Commission. And what is said there in the Great Commission by Jesus is simply realities that started at Christmas because Jesus became incarnate. And I want you to see it here. It says, uh, Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The gospel ends with Jesus' promise to be with you always. 
Maybe you're struggling this Christmas with that very reality. Maybe he seems so distant, so far, so aloof, and Christmas is God's promise and God's demonstration that God came near. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt is the same word for tabernacle. God tabernacled among us. The tabernacle was in the Old Testament and it was where the presence and the manifestation of God's glory dwelled. And God dwelt in the tabernacle and the people worshipped. And Christmas is about Jesus becoming the greater tabernacle. Jesus tabernacled among us so that God could be with us and God could rescue us and God could bring us into fellowship with Him. And we could actually see glory in this King who made all things, who was born to die upon that cross. Now there's so much more that we could get into and there's so much more that we could lay hold of this Christmas. And as John said, if he were to write all the things Jesus did, he'd be writing 10,000 books about Jesus Christ. But maybe you're in here today and you just freshly feel your brokenness. You freshly feel that you need God to intervene on your behalf. You need God's love to just envelop you. You could read John 1.14 and you could read it like this. And love came down. And love became flesh and dwelt among us. And truth became flesh and dwelt among us. And grace came down and dwelt among us. Even the last part of that verse says, Jesus, as the Son, as the only Son from the Father, was full of grace and truth. God's disposition towards you, if you will receive it, is to extend a gracious salvation to all who will lay hold of Jesus Christ and lay hold of what He did on the cross and lay hold of this magnificent King and say, Lord, save me. And it takes a humbling of ourself. But to all who did receive him, verse 12, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Perhaps God is calling you today to stand in awe of Christmas and to kneel before the babe in Bethlehem and to reach out and grab the man upon the cross who died for you and believe He actually went there for you. And believe He can rescue you no matter how deep the rabbit hole of blackness goes in your soul. God is with us at Christmas in the person of Jesus. And He provides a plentiful redemption. And when you lay hold of Him, you see glory. Let's come before the Lord. And ask Him to do a work in our souls. Father, when we approach 
the glory of Christmas. It's a time for celebration and a time for joy, but it is also a time to worship kneeling before the Lord our God, our maker. It's a time to rejoice in the king who's come, and it's a time to humble ourselves before the one who provides salvation, no matter how broken we are, no matter how far off we are, no matter how without hope we feel we are. Lord, you have been speaking to people today where they're at. You've been encouraging believers and you've been speaking to hearts, Lord, that are just wrecked by sin, are ravaged by unbelief, are broken by the stranglehold of sin and the realities of living in a broken, dark world. But you're the light. And I pray, God, that you would shine on them. And, and even now, Lord, as we pray, I pray that your spirit would be moving on their hearts so that they would be crying out in a way that they just say, Lord Jesus, save me. That they would be saying with the Philippian jailer, what must I do to be saved? And that they would hear the, 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 the apostolic voice of Paul say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And Lord, I pray you would create faith in their hearts to look to Jesus and actually believe he can save them. And Father, for us, as we worship together as God's people, would you create fresh channels of joy in our soul to overflow and spill over? Would you help us to be shaped and molded by this Lord who came into history born in a manger and this Lord who went to a cross to be crucified to redeem us? Lord, help us to glory in it and savor it. And as we sing and celebrate now, Lord, visit us and meet us with the help we need. In Jesus' name, amen.